Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. It's January 11th, 1993, and another remarkable event is about to be uncovered by... Aria, Rebecca, and Ali, the Retrospectors. So it was today in history in 1993 that British Airways paid out one of the largest libel settlements in UK history. This was the so-called Dirty Tricks case, which had its roots two years earlier in July 1991, when Virgin Atlantic started flying from Heathrow, a decision permitted by the government leading BA to withdraw their donations to the Conservative Party in anger. Yeah, in front of the High Court, Christopher Clark QC, who was representing BA, quote, apologised unreservedly to Virgin when it recognised that staff had engaged in disreputable business practices, including shredding documents, poaching passages and circulating hostile and discreditable stories about Virgin. Yeah, so just to wind the clock back a little bit about what started all of this, and Ollie, you've mentioned the fact that Virgin was now allowed to start flying from Heathrow, but some people said that the trigger for all of this disreputable behaviour, and it is astonishingly bad behaviour, was that Richard Branson had won this absolute publicity coup in September of 1990, when Britons who were stranded in the Gulf by the Iraqi invasion of Kuwait were airlifted to safety not by British Airways, but by this fleet of Virgin. 747 jumbos that Branson had sent in. Just a genius move on his part, but one that really got under the skin of uh, BA. But that's the thing, isn't it? He didn't have that many resources to work with. He just had his own nous and skill for publicity. He he works with what he has, doesn't he? Like, you know, he had a music label with Phil Collins and Janet Jackson on it, so that gave mm-hmm. him a bit of cool in 1993. He had a willingness to appear to be the David to the Goliath of British Airways. So, you know, when he launched a plane, it would be a shot of him in his captain's outfit, Dolly Bird on each arm, champagne in the hand. You know, the national carrier couldn't do that stuff. It wasn't Mm. their image, but they were obviously rankled by the fact that he was getting all of this publicity. Well, so the way then that uh, the Dirty Tricks campaign began was that in the summer of 1990, British Airways had this closed meeting at Gatwick Airport. And until then, the members of this thing called the BA Helpline team were basically responsible for meeting and greeting passengers as they transferred between airlines and giving special help to the elderly passengers. But behind locked doors, Jeff Day, who was the head of British Airways Special Services and Sales at the airport, changed their primary activity to spying on their rivals. And he said, British Airways doesn't make money by helping old biddies to the gate. This was apparently him (laughs) joking. (laughs) From now on, we must get more passengers from other airlines. And this all apparently came in response to the chairman of BA, Lord King, supposedly telling Chief Executive Sir Colin Marshall to, quote, do something about Branson, which has got real, will no one rid me of this troublesome priest vibes. (laughs) (laughs) So what they did is they created this secret unit within a secure office in Gatwick's North Terminal where British Airways employees who, you know, when they stepped outside that office would be wearing the livery and representing the national carrier were behind closed doors 
basically hacking into Virgin's passenger list. So, I mean, it wasn't completely nefarious because there is a shared computer system at Gatwick for security reasons. The arrivals that BA had going into Gatwick were on the same computer system as Virgin. So, theoretically, airlines can access each other's data. But obviously, that's supposed to be confidential information. That's all the passengers, their children, their passport information, where they're flying from and to, how much they paid for their seat, how many there are of them, why you've delayed a flight, how much you've issued in refunds. They were looking at all of that information and then utilising it to sometimes, I mean, you mentioned, Darian, they were the call centre team, call up these passengers before a future flight and say, oh, we hear you're travelling with Virgin. I think you've made a mistake. Yeah, in having all of this information, they could literally swamp the routes of their rivals, specifically Virgin, with alternative flights and cut price deals. But then also, the helpliners were, because that's what they were still called. Calling the mafia unit just felt a bit on point. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So the helpliners, they worked in groups of five to eight, and they went out in their well-pressed uniforms with carnations on uh, on their lapels, and they talked to passengers, basically to get the information that they couldn't get from the computer systems and approach people personally in the gates to say do you know what that you've obviously been delayed or you've had x experience with virgin well we've got another offer for you yeah but there was also good old-fashioned tricks like ringing baggage handlers and pretending to be virgin employees to try and get inside info which i just love i'm like this feels goofy (laughs) but all of this was carried out in complete secrecy as a former helpline worker called sadiq khalifa who later recalled that special combination locks were fixed to the helpline doors, only team members knew the combination. We were told never to discuss work with other BA staff or mention it to our friends or our families. And also journalists were being briefed by British Airways uh, PR consultant at the time, Brian Basham, uh, with various different... <laughs> That's such sto- a great name for a PR consultant. You plans <laughs> <Yeah>. damaging stories. <laughs> Basham Communications, yeah. Uh, <laughs> straight out of the Beano. Uh, we've been briefing journalists to the effect that Virgin's financial problems were so severe that it had been refused credit by Shell to buy aviation fuel, for example. You know, this isn't an airline you should take a ticket with because who knows if you're going to make it on the way home. And, of course... Those stories became kind of uh, self-fulfilling because um, once it became obvious that Branson was having to fight an attack from BA because he was very public about all of this, indeed, again, you know, we're still calling it dirty tricks all these years later. Again, it's (laughs) Branson's genius with the press, isn't it? He came up with that phrase, right? (laughs) But because he was spending his time outing BA's dirty tricks, people weren't investing in Virgin Atlantic because they thought they were about to go bust. Incidentally, we're talking about the stuff that was proven, but there was a whole lot of behaviour that was at least suspicious going on simultaneously that was never actually connected to BA. So, for example, Branson's private houseboat had been broken into and confidential papers were removed and cars belonging to senior Virgin employees had also been broken into. But the way that it all ended up in court is that Branson asked BA to investigate the things that he thought he could prove and they then went away and in their weekly staff newspaper, BA News, they ran an article suggesting that the claims were a virgin invention. And this article was used by Branson in 1992 as the basis of a libel claim against BA chairman John King and British Airways itself. Well, not just an invention. They accused Virgin of, quote, securing publicity. It 
clearly was the case that Branson was trying to leverage what was actually happening to get publicity. But that's a distinction, isn't it? Yeah, it was such a gift to the media. On one hand, you had Richard Branson, the anti-establishment entrepreneur who really kind of summed up the buccaneering spirit of the 80s, 90s, versus Lord King, who was, after all, Margaret Thatcher's favourite business person who had been uh, sort of lauded for having saved BA from the scrap heap. So there were these Literally lauded. (laughs) And that's what made what happened this day in history a little bit anticlimactic, really. The press had really been hyping this up as what they were calling the mother of all libel battles because you had Showman Branson on one side and they had all the money and status of BA on the other. It was a really nice clash. Actually, it seems like Branson was expecting it to go further because he had sold Virgin Records, his firstborn Mm. child, Mm. precisely in preparation for the expected enormous legal costs that the case would incur. Luckily, the court ordered BA to pay the legal fees, which were estimated at £3 million. Another £110,000 went to Virgin Atlantic. But the bulk of the damages, £500,000, went to Branson himself. Although then he divided it among his staff and it became known as the BA bonus. He's so good at doing <laughs> publicity, so good, even when yeah. it's not for not anything in particular. Not that he did that for publicity, yeah. may we underline again. No, sorry. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it did have a major impact on Virgin's uh, operating finances. You know, at the end of this financial year, 1993-94, BA ended up with a pre-tax profit of $301 million. In their year to the end of October 93, Virgin declared an operating loss of $9.3 million. Which does make sense of that famous Branson quote where he says, how do you become a millionaire? Well, it's easy. Start out a billionaire and then start up an airline. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it seems like the settlement did its job in the sense that, as far as we know, no dirty tricks campaigns on this scale have been attempted since. But the rivalry between the two has definitely continued. Mm. In 1997, BA removed the union flag from its tail fins. And at this exact time, Virgin Atlantic decided to add a union flag to their aircraft design and then dub itself Britain's flag carrier which is literally true. Even so, by June 2000, Branson met up with Rod Eddington, who was the new head of BA, to discuss a truce over, and I thought this was very civilised, a cup of tea. (laughs) And afterwards, Branson Another detail for the US press, I'm sure. (laughs) Right. Was Paddington there too? (laughs) I'm sure, and the Queen. Um, And afterwards he came out saying that he'd been meeting an old friend and hoped that the days of dirty tricks were well behind us, which I suppose is just him rubbing further salt into that wound. Right, exactly. Like every time he talks about them, he's like, well, obviously, you know, they've moved on from dirty tricks. We've moved on from dirty tricks. And every time he says dirty tricks, people Google like, what's dirty tricks? Oh, BA did what? Yeah, Yeah, but it's okay because the BA chairman had put polonium in the tea. Yeah. <laughs> Tomorrow. He spent several days packed in dry ice, which is not part of cryogenic freezing normally. Ditch the ads and get a Sunday episode when you join Club Retrospectors. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts. Part of the ACAS Creator Network.